and welcome back in another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. I'm Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. A special Thursday instructional podcast here for you. You know, the last two weeks, we've been kind of inundated talking about, of course, the sixth major championship of Phil Mickelson at the PGA Kiwa Island. And then after that, we went down to Colonial, and of course, Jordan Spieth almost pulled off his second win of the season, but Jason Kokrak was there and pulled off his second win. So it was Phil, it was Jason, all the things that go with the PGA Tour, all this talk about Brooks and Bryson. And meanwhile, over in the Corn Ferry Tour, a uh, guy by the name of Cameron Young has won the last two Corn Ferry Tour events, the first time that has happened since 2013 uh, when Michael Putman has done it. He joins now a list that is 10 people long to go back to back. And this week, they roll into Raleigh, and he would be the first to win three straight on the Corn Ferry Tour, which would give him an automatic uh, exemption onto the PGA Tour. He would go immediately. And joining us there from Raleigh, North Carolina, his dad and his only coach, David Young, things got to be pretty excited. Welcome to uh, the Stripe Show podcast, David. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Happy to be here. And uh, nice to be in Raleigh for a couple of days out of, out of New York. We had all that weather they had out in Chicago come through a weekend. So we're glad to be down here in Raleigh where it looks like it's going to rain again. <laughs> well, we need the rain. I'm in Florida and it hadn't rained. Jeez, I don't know. It's got to be at least five or six weeks. But uh, this is cool. This is a neat story. You know, I follow the Corn Ferry Tour uh, pretty closely and and have known of your son, Cameron, your student, Cameron, um, went to Wake Forest, uh, very good amateur player up there in the New York area. And uh, of course, you're the head pro at Sleepy Hollow Country Club at Scarsboro. So golf, uh, it's uh, it runs deep in the young family, doesn't it? It does. Uh, you know, my wife was a good player before I met her and her sister played on the LPGA tour on and off and has taught now for a lot of years. And you know, Cam grew up, you know, on and around the golf course and you know, got to it at a pretty early age. Tell me a little bit about Cameron um, right now. As you guys are, you just got done eating. You've spent some time with him. Um, things have got to be uh, riding high right now because you come into Raleigh. He went to Wake. There's a lot of family. There's a lot of friends there. Uh, how would you uh, How would you explain uh, the attitude right now and and the tone of uh, of your boy Cameron as he as he tries to make it three straight. Yeah, certainly a you know much happier boy than he was a few weeks ago when he missed a couple of cuts and you know was felt like he was playing a lot better, but the scoring wasn't coming. And you know all of a sudden you know some things started clicking from all sides. You know, hit the ball just a little better. He rolled his putts a little better and you know, started seeing some putts go in. And you know then the two back to back wins. Uh, you know he's he's riding a high right now. He's you know really honestly pretty focused on trying to get a third, you know, like just like Davis Riley and, uh, you know, the guys that they're sitting in Steven Yeager were there with two wins. You know, they're all pretty focused on getting that third one and getting that promotion. Uh, so <clears throat> he's confident. He's happy. You know, I, I, you know, I think he's in a pretty good spot. When you, when you started the season, what were the goals? Cause he, he played in a few events in Latino America and then of course COVID hit. So everything kind of went away. So he comes out this year, uh, had a good start. You, you mentioned some of the cuts that he that he missed. I think he had four four consecutive cuts that he missed before here going winning back to back. 
But what were the goals heading into really what was his kind of his first official season as a pro? Yeah, you know, you know, obviously the major goal was to get in that top 25 and earn his PGA Tour card. You know, I know he wanted to, he wanted to win. He wanted to earn his, his card. You know, I think those were the big ones. He's probably got some others tucked away. I'm sure he'd like to play in another U.S. Open and, you know, would love to now to win that third tournament to get the promotion right away. But, you know, it's, you know, he, he writes his goals down and we don't talk a whole lot about that during the season. He can, we kind of look at that at the end of the year. We try not to judge anything, you know, over short term. We try to look at things over a little bit longer term. Um, you know, so he'll write some goals down at the beginning of the year. We'll go over at the end of the year. We don't do a whole lot of keeping score during the year though. You know, this, this, this father, uh, son combination, you know, as a coach, is something that um, we seem to be seeing, I don't know, maybe a little bit more often now. Justin Thomas, um, his dad is his coach. Xander Shoffley, his dad is out there a lot. Um, and, and now here you are. You're, you've pretty much been his his only coach. And and here you are standing now at the doorstep of uh, of getting onto the PGA Tour. As, as you look back, what would you say, um, what would you say are kind of the biggest challenges um, that you have faced as being the dad, but also being the coach? Well, I mean, you know, honestly, one of the biggest challenges for me is just not being able to be with him or around him as often as I'd like, you know, just trying to hold down a, a full-time job at Sleepy, which is a busy club and, you know, a career that I've loved and been really lucky to be there. But, you know, sort of you know, being coaches is, is, is my you know, more of a part-time job. If you'd like to have it be more of a full-time job, you know, to do it as well as I'd like. Um, you know, so Cam's learned an awful lot. It's, it's probably the side benefit of that is that he's learned, you know, pretty well to take care of himself a lot of times because I can't always be there. So he's got a really, really good understanding of his swing and he knows what, it, what he wants it to look like. He knows what it wants to feel like. So even when I'm not there, we can share some videos and talk over the phone and, um, you know, but when we do get to spend some time together in the wintertime, you know, I always feel like I do a better job for him than, than when I'm doing it over the, over the phone or just looking at videos when I can see him and listen to him and watch the ball flight a little bit more. And so that's, that's, that's been a challenge, a little bit, not being able to be around as often as I'd like to. Well, but, if he gets uh, to the PGA Tour, then you can just go ahead and, you, yeah. know, you can just go ahead and put yeah. your resignation in yeah. at Sleepy Hall and yeah, just go full time. <laughs> yeah, well, but he might, he might, dad, why don't you go back to work? I'm okay. <laughs> you know, he's, um, I, I look at Cameron, he, he's, he's a strong guy. I mean, you look at him, he's in great shape. Uh, I mean, his legs look like a, a, a tight end for crying out loud um, in the NFL. And he's, you know, he's the modern player. He's 24 years of age. He hits it 317 yards off the tee on average. That's seventh on the corn Ferry tour. Has he always been long? Has he always created, you know, speed and kind of inched it further than everybody around him as he was uh, growing up? He has. He, he always had that from a very young age, whether it was, you know, baseball or hockey or karate. You know, you didn't even have to be looking. You could just hear the sound of the bat or whatever they were hitting in karate or, you know, hear the slap shot hit the boards or whatever it was. And you kind of knew it was Cameron because he always, you know, hit everything a little bit harder, did everything a little faster than most of the other kids, I think, you know, he's just a strong kid and it kind of came naturally to him. Um, you know, he's always sort of enjoyed being able to do that. So it's, it's served him well, certainly in this game, but I think it was, you know, when he went to Wake Forest his freshman year and he got there and he wasn't the longest guy on the team. 
Uh, you know, he went to work. You know, the team worked out three days a week. I think he ended up going six days a week and, you know, put on about eight miles an hour club head speed with his driver in the freshman year at Wake. And it took him a couple of years to get as straight as he was before he got there, but, but he hit it a lot farther. Mm-hmm. So so he's always been interested in that. And he sort of, he looks at that as a, as a pretty good weapon, you know, as it is. But, you know, he, you know, he's always sort of had it, but he's, he's worked at it too, to, you know, to make sure it stays, you know, at, at that level. Yeah, distance is such a, you know, it's it's the big part of the modern game, right? Bryson's kind of changed the landscape. And I'm curious, as as you were watching him and he was growing and he was creating the speed and you shared with me before we came on, like a drill, a little step drill that he would do and kind of get the sequence and the speed down. But you would, would you just kind of let him go and try to, create as much speed as he can, sacrificing maybe a little accuracy. How did you balance that? Would you step in at times at a young age and be like, look, let's get the club face a little more here, but yet let's still hit it as hard as we can? Yeah, I think we never really did anything that would sacrifice speed. You know, we, we obviously tried to get him to hit it straighter, but we never really did anything along those lines that really um, – Go you know, hamstrung him as far as, as speed or power goes. We always like that. Yeah, he hit the ball pretty far. Yeah, he's always been a pretty. He drives the ball pretty straight, even though the statistics on tour wouldn't say so. He's you know, as of a couple of weeks ago, I think he was 150th or something in driving accuracy on the Corn Ferry Tour. But you know, it doesn't tell the whole story. He puts the ball in play a lot. He's, he's you know he seems to be like one foot into the first kind of rough a lot. You know, if you look at the good driving stat, he's up there, you know, near the top of the list as far as balls that are actually put in play. Um, just not very often from, you know, if it's if it's not in the fairway, it's usually pretty close to it. So you know, he's always you know, he's always had kind of a nice release pattern where the club face didn't rotate a whole lot around the ball. So you know, so we really never really had to work too hard on that part to and, and sacrifice speed. You always sort of had that ability to you know to get the ball moving pretty much forward you know all except for those couple of years at wake is they put on all that size and muscle that he you know, kind of struggled for about a year and a half but but other than that little window you know he's really handled the speed pretty well yeah rapsodo mobile launch monitor improve your golf swing today pro level launch data in the palm of your hand it is very accurate within two percent of a $20,000 unit. The Rapsodo MLM app automatically tracks stats and stores video with Shot Tracer, helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club. Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback, data, and creates a better practice environment, not mindlessly hitting balls. Extremely portable, cases about the size of a rangefinder. And you know what? You can use it both indoors and outdoors. I love this launch monitor. It's the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor. Check it out at rapsodo.com. R-A-P-S-O-D-O.com. Rapsodo.com. Yeah, I think he I think he mentioned after I was reading his interview, he mentioned after the first win uh there a couple weeks ago. And the first win was in Kansas City at the uh, Advent right. Health Championship. And then the second win was the Evans Scholars Invitational presented by Midwest Bank. And that's in Glenview, in Illinois. But I think after the first one, he talked about, or maybe it was the second, I can't recall at this point, but it was basically, he, he noted the improvement with the driver. Like he feels like he's a much better driver of the ball right now than he was, say, um, a year ago. When I, when I watch him swing, 
uh, and he sent me a couple swings uh, on um, via text. When I watch him swing, I see a player who kind of loads up into the right side, and it's almost like David. Almost like he kind of like catches it. Like there's like a, a nice, almost mm-hmm. not a pause, but it's a gathering, and then he goes. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of uh, you know. He's pretty solid at the top, and that you know, that comes from you know, he's trying to work pretty hard on on, on his planes and. Back when he started working on that, he got a little. He used to have a little bit more of a a lag at the top, and he'd get going in the, in the bottom part. And you know, now it kind of all starts at once. You know, but it gets him back to impact where he wants to be. It just you know, we found out that that's kind of what mm-hmm. you know when he unwinds his upper body like he wants to. You know, that's just kind of where he needs to be, and that's when everything needs to start to get him there. So you know, he sort of figured that out on his own. You know, and it, and it works, but. Um, you know he's always been he's always put the ball in play pretty well like i said except for that little that little window there at wake but i think you know he's learning to pick his spots too a little bit i think he's mm-hmm. you know i think it was the you know a year and a half or so ago when he tried to qualify for the latin american tour uh down in florida and just had a you know terrible qualifying i don't know he had like i think he probably had 16 penalty strokes mm. uh in the four rounds of qualifying and just you know just so and just you know, sort of trying to hit the perfect drive every hole instead of sometimes just you know taking the trouble out of play and, and playing away from it. Is, I think, so I think he's not only he's, he's he's gotten smarter. I think off the tee too, and kind of knows you know, that the ball needs to get in play. Is Cameron? Is he? Would you classify him as a kind of not? You know, I don't want to say a technical player, but does he? Does he like to look at video? Does he like to look at launch monitor numbers? Is he? You know, where does he kind of fit into the technicality of things? Because uh, you mentioned, like, he, he, you know, he kind of feels his lines at the top. Where, where would you put him in that? How would you classify yeah, him? Yeah, you know, he doesn't get nutty about the, the track man numbers or the, or the flight scope numbers. Uh, but he does look, he looks at his swing a lot. He, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he's always looking to see what it looks like versus what it feels like. And, you know, he's kind of got some some benchmarks that he likes to see as far as positions go. So he's, he checks that pretty constantly. He's really you know, pretty attuned to that. So, but, but numbers wise, not so much, you know, he's, yeah. he works pretty hard on, you know, on the golf course and a little bit, you know, trying to control distances with his irons, but he's not huge on, you know, trying to figure out, you know, swing plane numbers or, or, or club path numbers or any of that stuff. But, he just wants to know, you know, you know, how far is it going to go? That's really what he cares about. Yeah, he um, it's it's a simple swing. Like I, you know, he loads up and then he, you know, he kind of he sits it down and then he just kind of rotates through and the club is very clean at the top. The face is square, has a little shallowing effect, and um, it looks like he can just kind of rotate and the club exits, um, really really nice and and uh, you add speed to that and that's a good certainly a good combination. And as you, as you kind of look at your stretch here, just looking at the entire season as a whole, like I said, he started off, he started off nice. First four events, he had a second in there, some of their top twenties, the middle stretch, he kind of struggled a little bit. Um, but then he's come out of that. And now all of a sudden he's playing his best golf again with two wins. What, what do you think he would say he's learned in this first year on the corn ferry tour, are there like two or three things do you feel like he's learned that have now really benefited him and he's becoming an even better player as a pro? 
Yeah, you know, I think he played some phenomenal golf this winter. You know, when the when the when the tours were off, you know, he's he shot some really low scores on a consistent basis this winter. And you know, we did a lot of work, you know, on his on his swing in a couple of the positions, especially in transition. You know, and then the first couple of corn fairy events come along, and he didn't play great, and he didn't really like the way it felt doing what he was trying to do in competition. Uh, you know, then they had a month off between the first corn fairy event and the second. And we went back to work trying to figure out, you know, a little bit of how he'd get him to look more like he wanted to without having to feel so bad. You know, and you know, and he, and he was sort of struggling with that for the first few events, I think. And then a few weeks ago, you know, I think he got it to where it maybe wasn't quite what he wanted it to look like, but it felt okay. It felt repeatable and felt like something he could do over and over again and just decided to, you know, to play with that. And I think that's been the big difference over the last couple of weeks is just thinking more about playing golf and less about swinging the club. You know, he just sort of is happy with, you know, the medium between you know, maybe not looking exactly perfect like he wants it to, but, but being something that it doesn't have to feel uncomfortable to do. And then he feels like he can, you know, focus more on make, making shots and less on making swings. What was yeah, the... So um... I think he's, Sorry, what, what what was the position? What what were you referring to as far as the club coming down? Like, what what were you guys working on, and wh where were you trying to put it? Yeah, we're we're trying to, you know, he was looking at in transition, trying to feel like, you know, the, the, there's a little less rerouting at the top, trying to trying to get rid of a little bit of a, a reroute at the top, and you know, I had to feel kind of uncomfortable, you know, as he started the downswing, he was really having trouble, you know, kind of keeping the shaft in the plane he wanted to as he's transitioned into the downswing. Mm. So he sort of, you know, he, he made a big improvement there, I think, you know, over the winter and, and, and over the spring, you know, but is this now really sort of getting comfortable with that swing, you know, is having to think a little bit less about it, is a little less uncomfortable, he kind of knows where the club head is now. Uh, so that's gotten better, but I think, one of the other things, just, you know, just becoming a tour player and, and being a professional, and, you know, learning how to manage himself each week and pace himself. And he was sort of, you know, falling into a routine that, you know, come Sunday, he still has some legs left and some energy and he's not wearing himself out early in the week, you know, playing a ton of practice rounds and beating a lot of balls and working on things. You know, he's really kind of got a routine now that works, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and, and you know, keeps him kind of physically and mentally fit by, by the weekend which I think has also been a big help. Mm -hmm. What's it, what, to, what does he like to see the ball do? What's his preferred kind of shape? <clears throat> um, you know, he doesn't curve the ball a ton. So, but I know he likes, you know, he likes it when he can draw it if he wants to. Um, but he doesn't necessarily hit a whole lot of that. Those ball flight you know, generally pretty straight, but you know, maybe just a little, you know, a little, draw off if, if anything mm -hmm. is what he likes especially oh. with the driver you know and then not, yeah. you know most of most of the guys you know most of the high speed guys prefer hitting a little bit of a fade it seems off the team mm -hmm. you know, he likes he likes to be able to turn it a little right to left when he when he wants to and DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sports book but also America's top rated sports book I love using DraftKings Sportsbook it is easy to navigate has plenty of instructions for new bettors and nearly limitless ways to get in all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 
into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1. And if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TRAVIS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TRAVIS for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wagers paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What, what do you... Um, I, it's interesting. I asked him um, on our other show, Cash Out with the Coaches, and we were... We were talking about Will Zalatoris, who he played two and a half years with um, at Wake Forest. And, of course, Will's made the jump and is playing incredible golf. Uh, Cameron, yeah. And uh, and Cameron, you know, won five times uh, at Wake Forest, uh, which is a, a terrific collegiate men's program and has been Jerry Haas, the uh, coach there, who also, by the way, has won back-to-back. I saw that. That was great. Yeah, Jerry. We love Jerry. He's one of the reasons Cam. Not one of the one of the biggest reasons Cam went to Wake. Yeah, we're, we're big Jerry Haas fans and uh, love Jerry. But yeah, it was it was fun to see him on that list yeah. as well. Yeah, you know that's the first thing I thought of. I was like, wait a minute. I'm pretty sure Jerry Haas has done it too. So I look and yeah, sure enough, back in the '80s, uh, he has yeah, done. Jerry it. doesn't. Jerry doesn't talk about it much. He's got a heck of a playing resume. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. He was a good player. Now Jay was uh i mean incredible player but yeah the haas family can can really play as the young family can as well i know uh you're a good player as as well and um you know just a, a lot of people in the family have played at the pro level a lot of good amateur golf and now here's cameron trying to you know knock it on the doorstep here of getting to the pga tour and and where i'm going with this is is you guys know in the experience of this with golf it's it's such a it's a hard game. Like we know that. And at this highest of level, these guys, you know, it's going to ebb and flow. We, we see the best players in the world. They have, they have times where they struggle. We just saw Jordan Spieth go it f- for three months before coming right. out or for three years yeah. rather. Um, when you look at the first part of the season here and, and you look at him where he missed, I think five of six cuts, what do you, what's your, there's probably some technical things I'm sure you guys are talking about, but is there something that you're you're kind of reinforcing with him where it's like, look, this is this is just kind of part of the deal, right? Like you kind of go through these stretches, but you stay the course, and pretty soon the talent will come out, and you'll come out on the other end. What kind of conversations were happening there, say, just three or four months ago when he was on this stretch of missing cuts? Yeah, well, that what you just said sounded a lot like it. You know, that's you play this game, and you know there's ups and downs. Um, you know, and, and it's hard when you're in one of those slumps to feel like it's ever going to end. You know, but those around you that have you know seen it, you know, I've seen the same cycle with Cam, you know, several times where 
you know, he's, he plays, you know, some of the best golf he ever played as he, you know, like he did this winter, just shot some ridiculous scores day in, day out. So, you know, and then inevitably you're going to come off of that and, and have a little bit of a, a slump. And, you know, and then, then we went back and, like I said, we worked on some things and, uh, you know, it took a little while for that to, to help him, but we knew that it would, but with, uh, as he's going through it, you know, it's, it's, it's really just having to have faith and confidence in the in the process that you've developed, you know, and just you know, trying to get better every day and knowing that on the other side of that is going to be even better golf than it was before. You know, we've seen this cycle a few times in his career, whether it was you know, junior golf or high school golf or college golf, you know, and now professional golf. And, you know, everybody everybody has it. It's just yeah. you know, it takes you know some confidence in yourself and some faith in those around you when you're when you're struggling like that to you know, to believe that you know, your very best golf is just around the corner. And, you know, that's kind of what I told him a few weeks ago. And, you know, never thinking that it would be, you know, this kind of a turnaround where he went from missing a couple of cuts to winning. You know, all you're really looking for is progress and, you know, maybe, you know, make some cuts consistently, put yourself in contention a few times. But we've always known, you know, when Cameron plays his best, it's he's tough to beat. You know, his, his good golf is as good as anybody's. Um, and we knew it was coming. You know, we knew it was coming around the corner. It just wasn't fast enough for him. But you know, he sort of saw it coming. Yeah, it's interesting when I when I talk to him. You know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the what the way that I kind of in just reading some of the things that he said and then chatting with him for a little bit, he he seems like he he he's really good at um, kind of benchmarking. You know, where like he'll get into an environment, he'll look at what other people are doing around him, and then he can kind of identify, okay, I'm doing this better, or I need to do this better, and can then take that and use it to his advantage to make himself better. So it's like he's really good and understands that social or that 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 kind of self-awareness and what's happening around him, like maybe with Will, who clearly is a super high-skilled player. And even as Cameron talked about, he's like, you know, I knew Will was better than me and had like more shots and this and that, but I knew that I could kind of learn from that, make myself better. And then when I'm on, that I could beat him, you know, and, and he wasn't afraid to do that. So he could learn from the people that are around him which would then propel him to be a better golfer long-term. And then when he is getting it going and the putts are following, he's not afraid to go and capture the title. He's not afraid to go low and win. Is that accurate? No, I think it's very accurate. I think, you know, Cam is always, you know, whatever it is inside you that when you're playing well, lets you, you know, get it done. He's always had that, you know, at whatever level he's, he's played at, you know, so you, you never know, you know, at the next level until you do it. So, uh, you know, now that he's done it at this level, you know, he's looking forward to trying it at the next. But what you said was really true. You know, he knew, you know, he came out here and he's, you know, playing with these guys that are obviously really, really good players. You know, and he knew that he's capable of doing some things that they're not. I mean, the, 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 you know, with his speed and some of the character of his ball flight, a lot of times, you know, that's just different than most of the other guys out here. You know, but then he would look at, you know, why is this guy beat me? Why is that guy beat me? You know, I can hit the ball so much better than he can. You know, and it sort of depends on your definition of better. You know, his mm. might look look more impressive, but but some of those other guys knew a little bit better than he did where it was coming down. It might not have 
you know, might not have gone as far with as much authority, but but they're really good at making that ball land, you know, where they wanted to. So he went to work really hard, you know, over you know the last six months at that, you know, working really on his on control and speeds and, um, you know, control and ball flight and making sure that he knows. You know, so he's he's much better now. Uh, controlling his distances really all the way through the bag where he's always a pretty good wedge player, but uh, four it might go 20 yards too far, or, you know, a six yard might you know, go 240 when it's only supposed to go 215. You know, he gets those wild shots that cost him strokes. Yeah. You know, looked really nice, but just didn't land where it was supposed to. Yeah. Which is what some of these other guys were so much better at. And I think he's made huge strides. He and his caddy Scott uh, have worked very hard this season on really. You know, sort of documenting and checking and rechecking and, and being really good about, you know, is it a full swing, is it a three-quarter swing, and, and sort of knowing, you know, working on making sure those things go, you know, X number of yards instead of X plus five or X plus ten. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of the improvement has, has come from. And now, especially now you start to make some of the putts, uh, you know, it's, it's paying off. Yeah, it's interesting because you're just kind of defining the approach game, you know, like all of the – the, the approach game of mid iron, short irons and dialing those in proximity uh, and being really efficient there. It's like when Will Zalatoris came out and I watched him on the corn Ferry tour and, and watched him a decent amount and knew a lot of people that knew him. And, and like, I was like, this, this is going to work on the PGA tour because it's not just because he's got good length. It's because his iron game is so good, you know, and when you can win in strokes gain approach and your iron game is that good, you can compete right. on the PGA tour. Like that's, that's the number one stat. And then just, yeah, I mean, you have your putting weeks and then all of a sudden now you go top 20 or top 10 or you get a couple bounces and maybe you win. So um, that approach game travels, doesn't it? Like the, the iron it's, game it's, travels. And when you have distance to go with it, now you have an advantage and then, yeah, let's just be a, let's just be a better than average putter. If you can be a really good putter like Sam Burns and a really good iron player and have some length. Now you've got a lot of, uh, now you got a lot of weapons. Now you got superstar. ads. Yeah, I know Will, you know, I was looking at corn fairy stats the other day and I think Will, you know, the top 10 in greens and regulation were all bunched in within a point or so, the 73, 74%. Yeah. And Will's there at 81. I think that's got, <laughs> you know, he got, you know, seven percentage points higher than second place. So yeah, you know, that keeps you in a lot of ball games, you know, even if the putter's not hot, then, you know, when, it, when you, you hit 7% more greens than everybody else and your putter does get hot once in a while, pretty good formula. <laughs> yeah, now, they're, now they're in trouble, right? Because now, now they're in trouble. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. So let me ask you this before you let you go. Is the, so the goal right now is, um, and he's sitting great, obviously, on the money list. And, um, you know, he's got to feel good about his chances. But, you know, he gets his third win this week. He gets that. I think it's called the battlefield exemption or the or the three yeah, win battlefield exemption. promotion. Yeah. Battlefield yep. promotion. Yeah, excuse me. Battlefield promotion, where he goes to the PGA Tour immediately, and let's just say he wins. You're in North Carolina. Couldn't you just roll it on down to South Carolina to the new course at Congdry? You know, I suppose we're not getting ahead of ourselves that far, so I don't even know where the Silver is next week. But um, I can get ahead of myself, ha- not you. But if, it, but if it happens, we'll be there. Yeah, exactly. You know, he won't shy away from it. You know, that's that's you know, he'll tell you he's you know, he's a confident kid. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, you know, he won't shy away from it. And that's that's certainly the goal. He's pretty well focused on trying to go ahead and get that that third win, like we said earlier. 
so you know he'd be he'd be all for it and uh you know certainly you know, his mindset isn't going to hold him back you know, he's got that kind of you know, he's, he's ambitious and confident and you know, he's got those pieces of the puzzle so uh, and he's know, working and, hard you know just the fact that he put on that weight in college right five days a week just kind of I don't know. That's just like probably a mini example of a hundred that just kind of define his work ethic and the amount of time that he's had to put in to get to this point. Yeah. And I think you know, even that, you know, they had 11, they had 11 tournaments in a row out here on Corn Ferry. And he took that week off a couple of weeks ago before he won. In the week he went home, you know, he went to the gym every morning. He, he practiced and played at least eight, you know, nine, sometimes 36 holes a day. Um, so he didn't go home and, you know, take a break. He went home and put some good work in, some hard work, and you know, came back out feeling like he was he was ready, both physically, you know, and I think most importantly mentally, when he got back out, he was ready to go. Oh. Well, it's good stuff, David. I, I uh, can't thank you enough for jumping on here. The the podcast, uh, David Young, head pro at Sleepy Hollow Country Club, and the uh, the dad and the coach to Cameron Young, who is going for three straight. This week, Rex Hospital Open, Raleigh, North Carolina, a uh, place I've known uh, pretty well there, TPC Wakefield. Fun course, and of course, I'm sure he's played many times, perhaps, going to Wake and has a little bit of insight, I would imagine. Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's had some good advice. I don't, I, this might be the first time he's actually played oh, there. Okay. Um, but I, I know he's you know, with all the friends and family, and I'm sure he's got some good advice and did get out to see the golf course you know, early this week and you know some generous landing areas for a lot of the holes there's a few narrow ones out there but some some generous ones which will you know be a, a sight for sore eyes for him i know that he was, he was kind of laughing the one out in uh, kansas which he said was probably the narrowest course the corn ferry tour will play all year and somehow the guy that's 152nd in driving accuracy goes out and wins it so uh so some of the so some of the wider open fairways here are going to look awfully attractive to them. That's good. That's really good. Well, the best of luck, uh, David. I can't thank you enough for the time, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be cheering for you. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest-performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels visit encoregolf.com slash travis fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game now back to the stripe show podcast 